Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value, delivering it, pricing it, selling it, developing it, and leading your company towards it. Today, I am thrilled to have an old friend, Dr. Karen Jacobson, as my guest. From the Israeli army to running her own business to being a competitive ballroom dancer, has learned the lessons of leadership in a variety of environments and brings that expertise to her clients. Dr. Karen, welcome. Thank you, thank you, Mark, for having me. And um, rather than waiting for people to uh, all the way to the end of the podcast to let people know how to get a hold of you, why don't you give that to us up, up front as well? Well, in today's world, people expect that you're on social media, so we have to give them the value in what they look for. Isn't that true? So I am on social media, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, whether it's YouTube or my website, everything is under Dr. Karen Jacobson with an S-O-N. Great. And so tell us, you know, give us the broad brushstrokes because you have a whole bunch of different tools you use with clients, but it's all about creating effective, engaged teams. Am I close? Effective, engaged teams that really have the opportunity to work at their highest potential. And a lot of that comes from my experience in different fields, in different arenas, where I had to play at the highest of my own game. And I've taken those skills, repackaged them, and really helped help me figure out what creates barriers for people for the uh, expression of excellence. And when you talk about excellence, I heard somebody else talk about this, and I'd love to get your feedback on you like it or you think it's bunk or it's missing something, setting the bar too low. They said the, the function of a good coach or a good leader is inspiring discretionary effort more than the bare minimum people who want to be excellent who want to excel do a fantastic job uh because if you're only looking for that that required minimum that's not what you're after and 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 those people that would not be looking for more than the minimum would not be our clients and the reason being is would you hire a coach to help you stay average. You don't really need a coach for that because you're already doing that. If you're already doing that, then you just keep on following the same path. If you want to move out of your comfort zone, you have to have somebody from the outside that actually can help you navigate those waters and really direct you towards corners and help you pull away from whether it's the limiting beliefs or the bad habits or the just old habits that you might have so that you can expand your sphere of success and really move beyond your own personal limitations, which we all have. So in order to get to the next level, whether it's in sports, whether it's in business, whether it's in uh, performance, 
having a coach is always, always essential to reach the next level. And, and as I call up level your game. That's right. So you've got a book power conversations. I don't remember the subtitle. Um, and it doesn't just have, it has a triangle on the front of the cover, but the triangle means something. So tell us a little bit more about the book and, and where you're going with that. So Power Conver, thank you for that, Mark. Uh, Power Conversations is the first book in a, the series, the High Performance Triad series. And the High Performance Triad talks about leadership, language, and lifestyle. Those are the three arenas that really cover the essence of who we are. It's what we do, how we behave, what we believe, and how we connect and communicate with other people. Power Conversation is focused on the language side. How do I communicate the conversations I might have with myself and the conversations that I have with other people in order to build rapport and connect and create and build relationships? So Power Conversations is a book that holds 67 quick tips that anyone can implement from the minute you walk into the room and flash those pearly whites and smile and make a connection with someone to creating lasting relationships along the way. It will talk about different behavioral styles, communication styles. Uh, it focuses on tips on even how to interview or how to diffuse a conflict. All super important. Uh, and the higher you go in an organization, the more important they are. Um, I remember as a little puppy in business school, um, we had executives and major leaders, you know, big time corporate leaders come in and speak. And I will never forget, I don't even remember who it was, but uh, the fellow said, you know what, the most important class you're gonna take here at Michigan Business School is human organizational behavior and human relations. It's everything in your success is about how well you get your colleagues to, to join you in your quest to how you get along with others, how you lead others. And that, that nobody had that as their major, but he said, that's the most important part of what you're learning here. Pay attention. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you are looking at really being able to build success and be influential, in addition to some of the things that you're doing right now, two books that I would highly recommend would be Daniel Coleman's talking about emotional intelligence, which is really the study of how to interact and connect with people, and Robert Cialdini talking about influence. Because leadership, leadership is not just about having a title. Leadership is, is truly, and, and when I talk about aligned leadership, it's about being able to align your thoughts from within your belief systems into your actions and create that as a string, a follow through where your organization, your team, your company are all lined up on the same purpose, the same mission, the same vision that really allows to create a, a flow that is natural without really bumping into roadblocks. I love that. Here's here's where I come from. And here's for the people wondering why I get so many uh, leadership people on my podcast. I think it's critically important. But there's there's two bookends to a great company. And one bookend is how to lead. So that and that's not where I really play. I want to talk about in what direction to lead. 
And so Dr. Karen, kind of draw us the distinction between the, and, and how intertwined and inextricably linked those two are. That's a great question, Mark, because the truth is that when we look at different, different behavioral styles, people have a dominant question in their own style. There are certain people that all they're focused on is what? Very often, those are big pe people that are looking at the big picture and, and, and really are goal setters. They might not look at other areas and miss things along the way. Then they're the, gonna be those people that are, their main question is who? Who's the person who's in charge, who's involved and who's doing the work? And then you also have two other sides, which are going to be the question of that one who asks the why and the one that asks the how. So if you as a company and as a leader of a company, want to build a system that is going to be encompassing, inclusive, not only of your culture, but also be attractive to your clients and your customers. Because after all, yes, there's no structure to the company without the culture and without the people, but without customers, there's nothing, there's no one to offer to. So being able to meld all that together, you have to answer all four questions. Yep. So really having the why behind what you're doing is essential and having that as a common theme and a thread throughout your company. It's why do I exist? Why do I exist? What purpose do I serve? And how do I serve my customers with those values at the highest level? Yeah. As you were answering that, I thought of that, that trite overused word millennials. And let me just broaden that out to younger people. And you you actually have some programs, you've, you've worked specifically with them. And here's my impression, tell me if I'm right, wrong, or, I, or whatever. Um, those people are not different. They don't want anything different than old folks like me wanted. They just have the gall to insist on it. They have the courage to not get crushed in a meaningless company with and, and to be a drone uh, the way people in my generation were a little bit more happy to be. They aren't. They don't accept a job or a career without meaning. And so it's not that they are they want things that we don't. It's just that they want the same things we all want. They just don't compromise about it. That is not only true, but it is, it's interesting to see the develop. And, and when I look both at leadership and yes, part of my, my experience has been leadership through and across the generations. So I, I really have taken the time to understand the differences and the nuances in, in the way different generations focus on values, different generation focus on communication style and different, and they have different expectations of what they look from at work. But the bottom line is they are no different than us. As we mature uh, from teenage years into adulthood, we all have a phase in our life that we look at our career. And then we have a phase that we look at our family. And then we kind of look at a phase where we might want to sit on our laurels. So looking through the lens of the continuity of a human, they're no different. What is different is the world around us. 
The world around us has changed. And if we don't allow ourselves to change and evolve and adapt to the world around us, we will lose the value of our businesses. That's one of the reasons why in today's world, as an example, organizations that are very institutionalized and are very traditional in their makeup, that are insisting on doing things the way they used to do things, they don't have a pulse on their audience. They're not really appealing to the values that their customers are looking for by not changing. That's why a lot of associations and trade organizations are struggling because they're not hearing the message from their customers. Yeah, I, and their customers want a different mode of operation, want a different approach. Now, we have, and especially baby boomers, have created, because of the way we grew up, we've created a world of a lot of wealth and a lot of stuff. You know, you remember the old sign, he who has most toys wins. Well, that aspect of abundance is something that we had given to the younger generation. So if they already have it, they don't look for it. Now they're looking for meaning. So yes, you are correct. Many of them will come into work and they want to do something that's meaningful, that has value, that is also contributing to society and contributing to the world. That's why there's so many B companies, B corporations that are looking to create value-based companies that serve the society that serve the community at a different level and not just looking for the mighty dollar. Yeah. So I really like what you've been saying. And I want to ask you to repeat it again using a specific example. So you've talked about the evolution of leadership and I'm going to anchor the beginning of that evolution in the old command and control uh, 1960s, 1970s structured where the executive was responsible for seeing what's going on in the world and defining a vision and defining roles and deploying all of that vision roles jobs values downward from the top and then at the other end of the evolution of leadership or at least at the current portion of that evolution um, we have a company that I try to create is understands your customer, understands your customer's world. We aren't in business to grow our company. We're in business to grow our customers using our stuff. And that means everybody in the company, the entire, even the person who sweeps the floors needs to understand the customer, understand the customer's business, understand the customer's world and have a direct connection to how their role grows your customer. And learning about your customer happens from the customer in, from the bottom up, not from the top down. And so how does leadership have to evolve as the world and as the organization evolves? When you look at the way the world is, has evolved and leadership at the time used to be autocratic, it's, it's do what I say or find another job. And it was more about, if I look as an example at the, the military, and I bring a lot of examples in that because of my past experience, it's been more about charge, go forward. And, and everything is, is done for the sake of the company without looking at what's happening on the ground level. When you are looking at leadership in today's world, we're looking more of the servant leadership. 
And the servant leadership, or as I call it, actually aligned leadership. And, and the reason it's aligned is because of the fact that we want to understand, as I said, the culture and the clients. So it's the company from within and the company from without. And that's where emotional intelligence comes into play. And in today's world, rather than just barking out orders, a leader has to have a high level of emotional intelligence, great communication skills, and a good dose of empathy. And I'll press it as empathy and not sympathy. And what I mean by that is that they need to have the ability to understand the circumstances that they're not only their team members are dealing with, but the circumstances and the environment that their customers and their clients are dealing with so that they can help improve. And it's all about performance improvement. With the younger generation, how they want to play the game is not by having an order, but by creating a collaborative plan. So as a leader, if I can understand what my people are looking to do. I can understand what the clients and the customers are asking for. I can create that common thread between my clients and my customers and my team members where we're all operating as an extension of each other with a common thread from above down and from down up. That's what true communication is. It's a two-way street. Yeah, I love that, that contrast. And as we're trying to grow companies that have meaning, that have meaning to our customers, that have meaning to our employees, uh, leadership has very fundamentally changed. And so um, I'm thinking of that, you know, the old joke, you know, HR told me I have to be nice or something. <laughs> right? Tell me what happens when we have this kind of leadership, it's not just to please HR. It actually has bottom line impacts to a company. So this isn't woo-woo stuff. This is making your company more effective, more competitive. Um, and there's a bunch of places on the company's financial statements where better leadership actually shows up. Absolutely. Um, you know, as, when we look at, at where we are in today's world, so uh, especially with organizations that have more um, uh, admin, high level and may not be frontline workers, a lot of people have worked, have moved to work remote due to our uh, health crisis. And so when I work with those companies, one of the things that I've had to do is I've had to bring out information on how we can also build those teams when they're remote and continue the communication. Because according to research from McKinsey, people are actually willing to leave a company. And 63% of people that were asked during the survey were willing to leave a company if they did not get better treatment and better communication from their leadership. So in essence, that type of old style autocratic leadership can push people, can push your own team members out the door and can be the main cause of loss of employees. Yeah, so I, you're absolutely right. 
And we all know it's bad to lose employees, but let's dig down to the level to, to the next level of detail. What costs happen when an employee leaves? Certainly you have to hire somebody and replace them. Certainly that position is vacant for a while. Uh, so walk us through those. Well, not only you have the cost of the rehire, which is going to be a financial cost, the cost of retraining, the cost of rebuilding rapport with the customers and the clients that that person might have been dealing with. But you also have to deal with what happens with the team and the people that are left behind. Now, if you happen to cut people and are not replacing them. Now there's an additional work effort on the level of the people that are behind. So that will create resentment and create a change in the morale. The minute you're creating resentment and lowering morale, you're going to lower productivity. So you're going to really hurt the bottom line. So when you're looking at all of those, if you graph them out, and obviously each company and each organization is going to have a little bit of a different price for employee acquisition, employee training, employee rehiring, et cetera. But then when you add on the loss in productivity, now, depending on the percentage of losses, you can have a huge expense for the organization. Where on the other side of it is if you learned how to just communicate better and maybe invested in training, whether it's the leadership or the team itself, in communication skills, in emotional intelligence, you're now not only creating more loyal team members and better leaders, but you're also grooming future leaders, which allows more continuity for an organization as well. Yeah. All of those and all of those and more. So if that person who leaves is a salesperson, right, there's all of the sales in that territory that aren't being made, all the opportunities that go to your competitors, all the work to get the business back from competitors after you've refilled that. If it's somebody inside the company, uh, a lot of those people, you're losing the expertise, somebody who catches a problem that causes uh, some risk, that mitigates some risk prevent some big expensive mistake. Those that expertise and that expertise and the wisdom to see that coming and to get the company retracted and, and out of that little disaster, uh, all of that, all of those little things are hard to measure, but just because they're hard to measure doesn't mean they're zero. It means they're huge. They're just hard to measure. And Correct. At, at, you, you can measure them after it's too late. And, Absolutely. Right. I, I just had spoken to um, one of my, my clients and that's been in, a, in the financial industry. And they had, because of the health crisis, they actually had to lay off people. So their choice was to lay off some of the people that were at the highest positions. Now, the question behind that, when you're laying off some of your top producers, what kind of hole are you leaving for the company? Because just as you were saying, Mark, those territories that somebody has worked so hard to develop and build rapport and build connections, build trust, you cannot 
put a dollar value on trust that somebody builds within a company. But you can definitely, when when they are gone, that loss of revenue, that loss of productivity is going to be screaming in multiple dollar signs. Yeah. Um, the reason your people are, the, the your high paid people are high paid people is because, not because they get more done, well, they get more done in an hour because of their experience, because of their wisdom, because their ability to plan around those difficulties. And when you lose that, the reason you're walking away from a high paycheck, uh, laying off a high paycheck, is the same reason you're laying off your most experienced, um, the people most able to get you out of trouble or most able to prevent the trouble. And that there's a, I mean, that's a warning. The, the market values them highly because of their skill set <laughs> because because of their skill sets absolutely and and in today's world when we're talking about um, leadership one of the key things that differs from the past in the past we used to promote people based on the Peter principle it's basically if you were in for a long time you just you earned your spot and that does not mean whether you have the business skill, it does not mean you have the people skill, it does not mean you have the ability to actually lead teams and take them to the next level. In today's world, research shows that 93% of promotion comes because of your EQ, your emotional intelligence, not your IQ and your knowledge. You know, I had the blessing of having a couple jobs where I made sales calls into the C-suite. So I've talked to a lot of C-level people over the years. And they're the easiest, nicest people to get along with. Um, executives don't get some fast up-and-comer and they don't accept them into the C-suite if they aren't pleasant to do business because those people work too hard and they aren't going to gladly welcome a jerk into their midst. And so that EQ, I mean, forget the fact that they are able to lead people below them. Nobody, you don't, your, your C-suite doesn't want them as a colleague. And, and that's the thing. When, when we're talking about EQ, it's like, yes, it's, it's about people that you're leading, but it's also your conversations up and down the ladder. So it, it, it's really on, it's really the whole picture Absolutely. of those that you are leading, those that you are peers with, and those that are above you. Absolutely. Because the only way to, for you to also be able to climb up the ladder is to be endeared and to be able to be valuable that those that are sitting at the top of the ladder. Yep, absolutely. So uh, great conversation, but we're running short on time. What have we not talked about that you want to make sure that we get to? When, when we look at leadership, and for those out there that are in a position of leadership or are interested in being in a position of leadership, the simplest thing would be to do a little quick assessment. And, and some of the simplest things that we can do to connect to other people. So as you mentioned earlier on, Mark, about being nice, Measure yourself. 
just measure yourself. Take a look, you know, step back, take a look at how are you relating to the people in your organization, in your team? Are you showing up? Are you showing up the same way you would show up to your family and to your loved ones? And what can you find in common with those people to build a connection? Because the truth is that while we might be different as individuals, we can look and find a million differences that we have, but relationships are built on finding commonalities. So move forward, look for commonalities and build a bridge. Cool. Thank you, Dr. Karen. Uh, so one more time, tell people how they can get a hold of you. Whether it's my website, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, everything is branded as Dr. Karen Jacobson, J-A-C-O-B-S-O-N. Feel free to reach out, ask any questions, or just have a conversation. Super. Well, thanks a lot for your time today. What a great conversation, Dr. Karen. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Value Clarity Podcast, where value only exists in your customer's brain, which means that your success in life and with your customers is all in your customer's head. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.